for joining us today. We trust that you'll be blessed as you listen to this message. Sit back, relax, and indeed open up your heart and your spirit because we believe there's a word that's coming out for you Amen. that will touch your situation just as you need it. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. Please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 41. It's a story we're pretty all much familiar with, but I'm trusting God that it will minister to us even in a new way today, by God's grace. Genesis 41 from verse 9, and I read, Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day, when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. We each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man, he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, I have a dream. And there's no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It's not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. If you recall, when we started reading from verse 9, the chief butler said, I remember my faults this day. Someone will remember their faults on your account in Jesus' name. They have forgotten you. They have abandoned you. They will have a responsibility and that which they ought to do concerning you and what God has sent them to do in your life. They have sat on it, toiled on it, done nothing about it. But I decree on this day they will remember you in the name of Jesus. The next passage is in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, please. Chapter 5, very simple passage that we're all familiar with. Chapter 5 from verse 16 to 18. Again, New King James Version, if possible. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. I repeat that statement. In what? Everything. Thing, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. On this Thanksgiving day, that we set apart each month for us to say, Lord, we just return to just say thank you. It doesn't mean that's the only day we can say thank, but we, it's a special day we've set apart to consciously remember to know we have to give a special thanks to God for our lives, for our living, for our home, for everything, because He's forever faithful. We are thanking God for indeed all he has said he would do, what he has done, and what he will yet do. 
I know some of us have come really prepared with our hearts of gratitude to say, Lord, I just want to thank you today. Ah, another Thanksgiving day, I want to give God the praise. You come prepared. You come prepared in your mind, in your spirit, with everything that you have to say, Lord, I just want to thank you. However, I am not in any doubt that some may be feeling here today that they do not even really know what to thank God for. Also, I also believe that there's yet another category that may be saying to themselves, ah, you mean Thanksgiving Day has come around so quickly? I was hoping that by the time the next Thanksgiving Day comes, ah, my testimony would have been ready so I can share it. Ah. So whichever category you belong to, whether it's the one that came prepared, or the one that's moaning that, oh, I've got nothing to thank God for. Or the one, ah, the Thanksgiving day caught you on our ways. I want to say to you, whichever position you are in, you are not alone. And God has a word for you today. Perhaps you're here and you're feeling like you're in a position of insignificance or anonymity. Either in your workplace you're no longer reckoned with, or in your family or extended family, nobody is even concerned about you. You may be feeling that things look vague and quite murky. And you can't even separate whether you're going forward or going backward. It looks like all your effort is not really showing despite all that you're putting into it. The effort you're putting into your studies does not seem to be materializing the results you're getting. The efforts you're putting into the relationship in the marriage is not even making things any better. It looks like it's going worse. The efforts you're putting into your children does not even show that anything that you have made all the efforts and still it looks like it is not happening. I want to reassure you today that you're in the right place today. And if you're joining us online, I'll say to you, please stay connected because God has a word for you today. And that's why the title of the message today is Remaining Thankful in Obscure Times. Obscurity is not a place anyone wants to be. But how can one remain thankful when all looks bleak and uncertain? Especially when you get the feeling of going backward and you become filled with trepidation that, well, what, what, what's all this about? It's one thing to have never, never had something. But to have had something and to lose it is actually one of the most difficult times. When you've had a relationship or a marriage and the marriage is lost. When you've had money and you've had financial affluence and it looks like it's all gone. When you've enjoyed good health and like right now you're just struggling. Those are real difficult times that you can classify as periods of obscurity. I want to reassure you today. Now you may have had a job and the job looks like, ah, everybody was praising you are the best thing that ever happened since sliced bread. And that job is gone. You are the manager. You are the one everybody wanted, but that job is gone. And all you get in the post from all your application is a regret to say. But today I say by the grace of the almighty God that as long as you're standing there and, be, and believe God and confess God, that regret letter will come to an end in Jesus' name. I decree there shall be a turnaround for you. I see God breaking through for someone in here today. You will not die in this situation. 
you will not become a situation where, look, there's nothing that has changed. Because I said before the end of this year, before this year finishes, you will have a testimony of the power of God even upon your life. Do not stay where you are right now and begin to think that is the end of your life. Whatsoever he has said, indeed, you will rise up to see the manifestation of it. As you put your eyes and your face towards that promise that he has said to you, you will get there. You will testify. And you will not get there with half body. What do I mean by half body? That you cannot walk, that you cannot move. It will not be your portion in Jesus' name. You will get there hell and hearty. You will get there with strength. You will get there wholeheartedly. You will get there to testify. Now come and see what my God has done. For I serve a God who has done it. No matter how long it has taken. If he has said it, he will do it. What is it that God cannot do? We serve a God who is on the throne. As long as my God is on the throne, God will come through for you. I say you will not get there half-hearted. No one else will replace you on the day of your celebration. No one else will have to stand in for you. You will be there to testify that come and see what my Lord has done. So shall it be. Oh, hallelujah. I know the God that we serve. It doesn't matter how long it has taken. As long as God is on the throne. As long as his word does not fail, as long as his word will not return to him void, you will not be the first one. His word will come through for you in Jesus' name. And your strength will not fail. From the two passages that we read, First Thessalonians admonishes us that in everything we do, we should give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. That's the will of God. So if it is said, it means it's doable. It says in everything, including in obscure times, including in low seasons, including in high seasons, including in pleasant times, including not so pleasurable times, say to someone, give thanks. It's important for us to know that the grace and the privilege to give thanks unto God according to this word is something we all need to desire to live by. I've been studying the life of Joseph for some time. And I'm telling you, I can truly submit to you that Joseph was a thankful man. And his ability to remain thankful unto God helped him and sustained him through the trying and the difficult times that he went through. It's not enough to say he was a man of faith because some men of faith are not thankful. They can have what we call an entitlement mentality. The Pharisees, they were religious, but they believed because they paid their tithes and their cummins, they should get a certain privilege. It is not enough to confess the word and speak the word and spit the word and do everything, which is good, but remain what? Thankful. Joseph was different. So what are the few things that we can learn that helped him to remain thankful? One of the first things I can say about Joseph, for us to learn to live a life of thanking God through obscure times, how can we continue to thank God like Joseph did and live the life that sustained him from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison to the palace? What are the things that we need to know? Number one, maintain an attitude of gratitude. You can lose a big opportunity 
over your attitude of ingratitude. By nature, man does not have to try to learn to be angry. What do I mean by that? It occurs naturally. So if I was to go right now to Dikinjije here right now, I just stepped in and I walked past. He does not need a revelation to get angry. Be you the Pope, the man will be what? Annoyed. Two children. I don't know which parents, which of us parents taught them how to say, shut up, keep quiet, don't do this, or they fight. No. By nature, human beings, we know what it is to get annoyed, to get angry, to get bitter. We don't need a lesson for that. But you know what we need a lesson for? You know what we need teaching for? You know what we need grace for? We need grace for us and a lesson and understanding to know how to live a life of kindness, of gentleness, of being able to cope and living a life of thankful attitude. It takes learning it. It doesn't just drop. Because any time that we are not happy with what we are going through, the first thing is to react. But we don't stop by and think, Lord, what do you want me to do? We have to choose to be grateful. Joseph did not deserve to be in prison at all. He could have become bitter, angry, depressed. Yet he lived each day as a fresh opportunity coming his way. There is a fresh opportunity coming your way today. It does not matter how bad or how low or how what state of obscurity you are. There is a fresh opportunity coming your way. Amen. Joseph was so much a man of gratitude that he was appointed as the co-leader to the prison guards. How many of us recall that? It's like, don't think of Belmarsh, which are the prisons that we go to for prison ministry. Feltam, those are posh prisons. Think of Guantanamo Bay. Where they put the real ones that have offended the state. Because don't forget, Potiphar was next in line to Pharaoh. And yet, in Guantanamo Bay, he was chosen to be the leader of all the other inmates. Do you think it is somebody who was there bitter? Somebody who was there angry. Somebody who was there that, because he had, like I said, we all have a right to what? To be angry. But did he exercise that ongoing right? It's a feeling. But that feeling, is it what will get us to where God wants us to be? Despite what was not his fault, he must have been living a life that was approachable. That made even the prison guard to say, it's you that I want as my right hand man. And I want you to help me to look after the fellow him. Equally, if Joseph's life was not one that attracted or drew people to him, do you think the two other inmates, the butler and the baker, would have gone to him with a dream? Nobody would have approached him. And as I'm speaking, I want you to picture the situation that you're in, in your state of obscurity, thinking, oh, honestly, I don't understand this one that this one is saying. As far as I'm concerned, the state which I am right now, I'm back to submit to you. That if Joseph was like that, he wouldn't have gotten to the palace. Because it was his attitude of gratitude, of constantly thinking and believing for the better and becoming approachable, becoming somebody can be of blessing that made the butler and the baker come to him. May the Lord send you your butler and baker. 
may we recognize whom God is sending to us. It's absolutely important for us to know that one of the things that touched me in the life of Joseph, he must have evidently been using his gifts of dream interpretation. Do you agree with me? Because nobody else would have told the fellow inmates, this man is what? An interpreter of dreams. So it must have been there were other situations that has happened, even in prison, that made him to have exercised the gifts God gave him. And by so doing, even on ordinary times, that was what made them to say, Joseph, we too, we have a dream. You know, there are some of us that God gives us something, but because of what we are going through, just put it aside. doesn't matter. Let God sort me out first, and then I'll go back to that. But it is what he has given you that is the link to your breakthrough. It's absolutely important because when they came to him and they spoke to him, he didn't say, excuse me, so what do you think? Am I the person that's supposed to be sorting out your problem? Or what do you mean? Please, he didn't have that attitude. Equally, after he had interpreted, he didn't say to the butler, look, this thing is not for free. So you better know that before you get out of this place, you know, some people do what we call spiritual uh, blackmailing. Before you get out of this place and get to the king, if you do not remember, within two days you will die. There are pastors like that. Because you are not in a house of God like that does not mean it doesn't happen. People that God has gifted and they will be using their gift even to maneuver people and talk to them in ways that makes them feel down. Attitude of gratitude. Let me move on quickly. Some of us have cooking organizational skills, computer skills, we need them in the media, decorating the house of God. Some of us can sing like sonorous birds in our bathroom. But look at the young lady that led the worship today. You can see the oil flowing. It's not about your appearance or how long. Just avail yourself and let God use you. That's what God is looking for. Having an attitude of gratitude, even in your obscurity, use what God has given you to his glory and see what God will do. A heart of gratitude has no room for bitterness, pride, resentment, murmuring, entitlement mentality. Joseph deserved to have an entitlement mentality. Very much so. What did he do? Absolutely what? Nothing. He was framed up. So he deserved to say, look, I'm, if God really, if whatever God wants to, let God do what he wants to do, me to have done my bits. No. Instead, a heart that is full of gratitude will accommodate love, kindness, empathy, generosity, positive confession. May that be your portion in Jesus' name. The next point I want to bring out about what we can learn from Joseph and learning on how to give thanks in everything, whether it's an obscure place or whether it's in a place of heights, whatever level that you're in, learn to give thanks. The next point here is called, thank God for the little things. Sometimes it's the small things that open the door. God specializes in using small, insignificant, and obscure things to display his glory. If you have been a good scholar of the Bible or a, a good Christian who is sensitive to the move of God, 
you will realize that God is a master of little things becoming big. If only we let him take us through the process. There is a big principle in a small package. You may be crying out for the oak tree, but God has given you the acorn in your hand. All you need to do is to plant that acorn. Some of us have that acorn. Oh, what am I going to do with this acorn? What's, what's my own business? And you're crying out for the oak tree. Because right there in your hand is that oak tree inside the acorn that will give you the oak tree. If that makes sense. Why don't you plant that acorn now? What temporary job have you got right now? And you're moaning about this useless job. The job that doesn't even pay me anything. Do you know what God has prepared for you there? What tiny reports have you got from the doctor? All you've been hearing is bad news, bad news. And all of a sudden, you said, I see a ray of hope. Ah, is it a ray? When will the whole thing change? Why don't you thank God for that ray of hope? Because that ray of hope will become total healing in Jesus' name. It's absolutely important for us to know. That sometimes it looks like God purposely avoids the big things to confound the wisdom of the wise. If not, God would not have chosen Joseph, who is the last but one of the children of Jacob, to be the one who would deliver them in Egypt. God would not have chosen David when there were array of soldiers on the battleground. Soldiers who were experienced. Soldiers who had skills. But God used David, insignificant David. And it was through the hand of David that Goliath fell. I said, thank God for small things. But you need to realize that in those small things, God is moving. Why would God bypass 32,000 soldiers of Gideon and walk with just 300 men? And the battle was won. Thank God for the small things. What small things are in your life right now that you're despising? Next point. Accept that what you're going through is a test. You may have helped others, but yet your own case remains unresolved. Joseph interpreted dream for the butler and the baker, but his own case what? Remained unresolved. You may be the doctor that knows what to do, how to do it, when to do it. You tell people what to do. And they apply the wisdom you've given to them. But it comes to your own health and your struggle. You'll be shocked at the number of doctors that have health challenges. The same things you have taught them, you try to apply it to yourself. It looks like it's not working. Are you listening to me, somebody? I don't know if anybody can identify with what I'm saying here. There are things that it's your bread and butter. You don't even have to think about it. As you do it, as you show it to people, they get answers. In fact, the worst one is, some of them don't even remember you. Because he's the giver of that gift. And he knows that he has imputed so much grace in you. But to keep us humble and thankful, he keeps us in that position. And when you learn to accept it as a test, you will come out on the other side, glorifying the name of the Lord. If somebody believes that, say amen. amen. Can I remember the days... When we were still waiting for 10 years, and some people say, oh, she has come again with her 10 years. So I will say it's because I can always thank God for what God has said. It is real. It is not funny. It is not made up. It is real. Ah, 
I will pray for people who maybe they just got married. They say, five years, we've been waiting. We'll pray. Before you realize it, three months, they are pregnant. <laughs> okay. Now, two will come. The one that really hits me was somebody that I know, and I'm not saying this uh, to mock anybody. I'm saying it to the glory of God because we need to know, learn to know how God deals with us. Someone I know who the lifestyle when we were in a university, uh, Lagos University Chin Hospital days in School of Nursing, was my goodness. When I say I'm bad, they're worse. So I know when you're counting the number of abortions, terminations, mine is a word, small fry. I said, you know, please call your husband. Oh, let us pray. They came. They were not members of our church. Because they heard that this is the issue that is splitting their own family. About to break the marriage. And they came. And we prayed. I told my husband the story. And we prayed. <laughs> you will not believe it. Exactly three months later, she called to say she was pregnant. Ah! I looked at myself. I looked up. I looked down. I'm thinking, she's pregnant. Instead of me to see it as if she's pregnant, then there's hope for me. It was as if she stole my own. No, 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 no. Let's be real. When God makes you know that the things he has graced you with is just exactly as it is. A grace. It's not because you're smart. What did you do to be given the intellect to know how to run business? What did you do to know how to give the intellect to be a lawyer? What did you do to be the best even in your set? What did you do to be able to know how to start business and continue? When I had my first child, and even before, of course, we worked, we did everything. But the school we did not apply for, which is the school everybody is killing to get themselves into, she was handpicked for that. Do you know... I'm just being very real to you now. God has a way of making you think, sit down, girl. It's not because you did all the 11 plus exams. It's not because you sat her down. It was just because I chose her to be there. Otherwise, the situation would have been, oh, you know, if you just do this and you do that, by the time you finish it, you get the next thing. So God had to take me through another rule. That even after you've done all the teaching, after you've done all the calculation, you now say, Lord, please open the brain and let the thing work. And when he gets there, let him remember. May he not forget, Lord. May he remember, Lord. May he know what to write, Lord. Because that's how God does it. But you know what? I always look at the wisdom of God. Because I say to people, when I was pregnant with Chosen, it was like, will this pregnancy ever get to the end? Every week that we mark the next week, we are ticking. Oh, <laughs> thank God, though, we've made another. Because I was bleeding perpetually. And I was on bed rest. I don't want to bore us with that story. But why did I go through? We had that baby at 32 weeks after 10 years of waiting. Now that 32 weeks, I'm saying to you, they literally had to be fighting for the life of the mother and the baby. Four pints of blood. 
and she was brought out in four minutes and three seconds flat by cesarean section emergency. And I remember a doctor saying to me, next time you want to ever have a child, don't, you know, you have to come straight from the beginning. Because you know what? You cannot have a normal delivery anymore. Because these fibroids and your history is likely to repeat itself. I'm telling you, I told you the one about when everything is good and then you think it's going to continue. Equally, I'm telling you about when something is so bad and they've told you that there's no way your God will turn it around for you in Jesus' name. A woman who literally hanged in there for 32 weeks to have a child barely made it, barely survived. The next time I was now going to have the next child, everything that is said was contradicted because God turned the wisdom of the wise into foolishness. I was saying to someone, because I went to the hospital to see a new baby this week, and I was saying to them, I said, you know what? In my pregnancy with my boy, I'm telling you, if I didn't travel, I traveled five times on the aeroplane. Please don't let the Extinction Rebellion people hear that. Five times on the aeroplane in that pregnancy. That is how well I was. At a point, 35 weeks, I was in Newham Hospital for the lady, not for the baby, for a lady who was mentally um, disturbed, who had a fixation, and it has to be Pastor Runke. I need to see Pastor Runke. They carried me, I went from my home at night time to the hospital until she saw me before she allowed the doctors to give her any. The nurses were, ah, I was 35 weeks, I was like that. That's how well. I was in that pregnancy. And to crown it all up, by the time I got to King George's Hospital, I had that baby in 35 minutes from coming in through the door, lying on the labor bed, and delivery. 30 what? Five minutes. That is what God can do. But woe beside me. Can I come and say, you know, I'm a supernatural woman, and I deliver like the Hebrew man. Whatever I say, must do. why didn't I deliver like that for the first one? You need to know it is the grace of God. That you're enjoying a blessing is just the grace of God. Remain and have an attitude of gratitude unto God. Know that through it all, God is working. For by strength shall no man prevail. When we serve him, and give him our lives. In your obscure times, he will bring you through. I want us to know, with this next point I'm giving, there is a due time. There's what? A due time. When that time comes, be ready for it. Be sensitive. Be prayerful, like we read in First Thessalonians. Be ever ready. Be welcoming. For your due time will come. D-U-E, your due time will come. For the God that we serve is not unjust to forget your labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, Hebrews 6 verse 10. And please don't grow weary while doing good, for you will reap in due season. You will reap what? In due season. That's Galatians 6 verse 9. Due time, D-U-E, it's a matter of time. God will make you be in the right place at the right time. Joseph was in the right place at the right time. You will be in the right place at the right time. 
in your due season, God will make them to remember you. In the book of Esther, the king could not sleep until he had read the books and declared the honor to give to Mordecai. Somebody will not be able to sleep on your behalf. In the name of Jesus. God is causing someone to be remembered right now. Please don't be bitter. Don't despise. There is a small thing coming your way. Have a right attitude and ask God for grace to go through the tests. And it shall turn out for good as you remain thankful to him. There is something that you must have heard today in this message that you need to talk quietly to your God about. In this obscure season that you may be in, God is saying to you, perhaps just for you to fix your attitude. For some other people, it's about learning to appreciate God in the little things. Or accepting what you're going through as a test. And not as tormenting that God is guarded against you. Nobody's guarded against you. It's all working out for your good. Perhaps for you, it's about saying, Lord, help me to know my due time. Help me to know my due season. Help me to know why to wait. Help me to stop the complaining, the mourning. Help me to know who you're sending my way. May I not send away my helper. Because that health challenge, you will not die from it in Jesus' name. The Lord will send help your way. You will see the power and the might of God in the mighty name of Jesus. Suddenly, there will be a turnaround. Because God is the one who is at work. He's able to save with few. He's able to save with many. If he could save with 300 men out of 32,000, what is it that God cannot do? Because the situation that you're in, that gap, that situation that looks like it is longing and it is drawing and it is going on it shall come to an end. The Lord will send help your way. You will see the goodness of God. In your due season, God will deliver you. Do not be weary. Do not be fearful because everything that God has said, he said this is your year of favorable access. You hold on to the word of God. Do not despise the word. Do not despise what God is saying. Do not despise what you're going through. Accept the test and see yourself even at the end of a beautiful land. For so shall it be for you. In the name of Jesus. Eternal Rock of Ages, thank you for your word. Lord, we acknowledge that it's by grace. No matter wherever, what level we are at, we shall remain thankful to you. And as we remain thankful to you, we shall have the right attitude to go with it. Thank you for the help you will send our way. Thank you because you are the God even in the small things. Thank you because you make all things beautiful in your own time. Father, may we not die before our time. And when the time of you showing us up comes, we thank you because we shall get there totally whole and held in the name of Jesus. No one else shall replace us. Father, we bless you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And we exalt your holy name, O God. For we walk forward and march forward with our heads lifted high, knowing fully well in whom we have believed, that surely you will come through for us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. It's often said good things come to an end. We hope that you've been blessed today. But if there's anything whatsoever that you really want to follow up or need clarification about, please do contact us. There are counselors and there are people to listen to you. We look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, God bless you.